Welcome to the Edge Up Podcast with your hosts, Reed and Glenn from Hawaii Trading Academy. Welcome to the Edge Up Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Today, we got a special guest here, my good friend, my buddy, Brandon Rabe, Breaking Rhythm. He is a husband. He is, he's a father. Um, brother in Christ, he's uh, a real estate investor. You know, I think he just he, what a story, man. Like, you know, I don't want to blur it out for the rest of the audience, but you know, um, he, spe- he specializes in um, commercial real estate, I think, or residential real estate, both. And um, you know, looking to make a big impact. Oh, and he's a high performance coach. I forgot to put uh, point that out. So, welcome, Brandon. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you for having me. Um, great to be here, Glenn Reed. Really appreciate the opportunity. So yeah, let's let's get started, man. Like, um, you know, just share a little bit about your background. I think you you made a big career change this year, you know, and what up? What led to bit. that? And and you know, what are you doing now? So, um, born and raised Honolulu, Hawaii. You know, um, just did the whole thing. You know, went to school, uh, graduated high school, thankfully. Uh, chose not to go to college initially, just go straight into the workforce. Um, got a full-time job like two weeks after high school. And great company, great benefits, great pay and everything. And somewhere along the lines, like maybe like 10 years of working that job, uh, a good friend of mine that might be here on this podcast gave me a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, um, um, I read that book, right? By Robert Kiyosaki. He talked about passive income. And through passive income... Um, you know, that put me on the path to uh, come across real estate investing. And in 2019, that's when I really like started going head in in real estate, you know, just educating myself, listening to the books and the podcasts, uh, meeting with other investors. And then at the beginning of 2020, January of 2020, that's when I got my first rental property out in the Midwest. It's a single family home. And ever since 2020, just been actively investing. You know, kind of like you said, Glenn, just in the residential space. I've been dabbling in the commercial, but more so in the, in the single family residential. And uh, since 2021, been a high performance coach. So I've been, you know, working on personal development, not only in myself, but with other individuals as well. So it's been pretty cool. Um, been an awesome and fulfilling journey so far. And then, yeah, earlier 2023, I got to step away from my full time W2 job and jump into investing and coaching full time. So, here I am. Oh, love it, bro. Love it. I did I really I, I gave you that book. I don't remember. Maybe maybe because <laughs> yeah. you didn't give it back. <laughs> but um I don't know what happened, but yeah, it was it was you, man. It was you. Sweet. Man, changing lives out here, man. Was there any direct influence on what got you started into the residential real estate? I think you invested in your first property 2019, you believe, I think. Yeah. The the tail mm-hmm. end of 2019 into 2020. Yeah. 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 What was going through your mind, bro? You know. Um, yeah, I mean, besides passive income and creating that, you know, extra stream, it was really just wanting to create more time with my family. Cause at the, you know, 2019, I had a one year old daughter or one and a half year old, you know, right. Bella was around that age. And, uh, at my job, you know, as a delivery driver, the, the times when I would finish work was inconsistent. You know, some days I would get off kind of late. Some days I would get off really late and it just really made, it difficult to do things throughout the week. So just wanted to create more time with my family and then that extra income. And it just made sense for me to start with residential real estate just because I didn't have a ton of cash to start with in the beginning. And it, it was something I could understand. 
you know, mm. like buying an apartment building, buying like a self-storage facility. Like that was a bit too big for me to to con- conceptualize in the beginning. But uh, buying a single family house, yeah. Uh, I've never done it before up to that point, but it seemed easy enough to to take on. Did you did you like learn? Did you take any courses or did you like just went along? Did you go on the YouTube university or, you know, how'd you figure <laughs> that out? I was spinning my wheels for a couple months, man. Like, so Rich Dad Poor Dad was like the first book I ever read cover to cover after high school. And then that just kind of led the way for me to read other books about investing and mindset and so forth. Uh, I was listening to podcasts. I was going to networking events. But like for the whole majority of 2019, I wasn't taking any action because I was stuck in analysis paralysis. A lot of education, not a lot of action until mm-hmm. I went to a meetup and I met my mentor or he became my mentor. I was at uh, like right around Thanksgiving of 2019. How long, how many, how many years did it take approximately from you picking up that book to like where you're at? Would you, you call yourself a uh, good, like, good safety net, you know? Probably three years, maybe three and a half years. years. That's an yeah. incredibly, incredible fast return. You know, that's awesome, dude. That's fast. Yeah. And because I think you mentioned it, you t- you said a key word is action. Yeah. A lot of people read it. I know I was like in analysis paralysis for like a year, like years, man, just like reading books, just more education, but not taking the actions like within the books, you know, and that's, that's super mm. key right there for growth, right? Immediate growth, take action. Percent. Like, you know, people say knowledge is power, but I believe it's knowledge in action, which is power, you know, mm. when you apply it. Because if how-tos were enough, we'd all be rich, we'd all be skinny, we'd all be happy, but not necessarily the case, right? We got to put action into it. Absolutely. I was going to say like, a, if if knowledge was the case, then, you know, a lot of all the professors and, you know, teachers and whatnot would be like super balling and, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. not, not a, this to them. They're, we need professors and teachers, that's for sure. How many properties you got so far under your belt? We're at 13 properties right now. 13 Let's single family go. homes out there in the Midwest. Yeah. Nice. Did you ever all, think all you... out here on Oahu? No, none in none, not, nothing here on Oahu. Yeah, oh, they're nice. all out, okay, out cool. there in Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> nice, bro. Nice. Like, yeah, I guess they don't have a lot of real estate out here for cheap, you know, or a reasonable price. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, you can make money out here, too. It's just that the strategy that I'm using, the market doesn't support it, you know. So different market. Yeah. Well, would it be a possibility to dive into this the market here, the local market? I'd say down the line, you know. So like the thing about out here is like because the prices are so high, if you're like somebody who's trying to just preserve your wealth, then yeah, you know, you're okay parking a couple hundred grand in a property and letting appreciation do its thing over time, and then you reap the benefits later on, which I'm not there yet. Mm. So you know. It just depends on the play that you're trying to do and what your circumstances are. But yeah, maybe, I don't know, 10 years or so from now, maybe buy something here. Let's park talk- it, let it go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about like kind of the what's happening right now, right? We got the Fed rising rates, right? I think it was, at, what is it at? Seven, eight percent, if not more. I don't know. Um, Probably, yeah. I don't know what it is, what it's at. I know it's high though. Okay. <laughs> We got that going on. We got uh, very little or ve- like it's one of the lowest amount recorded that of mortgage applications. So very little buyers. Um, nobody wants to sell their home to get out of their amazing two point three point interest mortgage. You mm-hmm. know, so how would you describe the current state right now of the real estate market? You know, or like. Like are builders still building or are realtors still 
selling. I think real estate, I'll speak to real estate locally in the market that I invest in. Yeah. Because overall, I mean, yeah, the situation doesn't look that great. At least we get to be more creative as investors, right? On how to make the deals work. But regarding Kansas City, the market is still hot. People are still buying and selling. Transactions are still going on. You know, there, there are small things like days on market, a little bit longer, right? Um, prices that are Oh, the closed prices are coming in a bit under ask. So there's still a little bit of shifting in the market in Kansas City, but not a whole lot. There's still opportunities out there. Like two weeks ago, we just bought a property and then we've got, uh, we went on the contract on one the other day and then we should be under contract on another one first week of October, right? So there's still opportunities out there. Yeah. It just looks different from how it was when I first started, you know, where rates were super low. Everybody was, you know, just selling and, and, and everything. So it, it really just depends, you know, as far as market goes too. like what I like to think for myself is just focusing on what I can control the rates, whatever the Fed does, things, those things are outside of my control, but I am in control of how I run my numbers, right? I am in control of what criteria I set, uh, like for my buy box, what kind of property I'm looking for, the margins that I'm looking for. Right. So it's just, yeah. Focusing on what I can control. Yeah. B- building on that. So it sounds like you have some sort of process when it comes to investing, right? Like you mentioned, like some of those criteria, you know, like, could you share some of that criteria and what, what comes to mind when you're ready to pull the trigger? So like, as far as process goes, um, I didn't make this up. It's called the Burr method. It stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. And essentially that's what I'm doing. And it allows me to get into properties with very little, if not none of my own capital and still own it as a rental on the back end. So I'll buy a property, you know, 50% of its value because it needs work. It's distressed, whatever. Right. Then I'll renovate it. I'll, fi- I'll do the kitchen, flooring, bath, paint, uh, basically force appreciate and, and increase its value. When it's ready to be rented, I'll put a renter in there. And after six months and a day or whatever the um, seasoning requirements are for that lender, I'll go and do a cash out refinance. So in the cash out refinance, um, the bank will give me any, give me 75 to 80% of the value of the property. And if everything goes well, I can pull out everything, if not most of what I put into it and basically own the property for a couple thousand bucks, maybe, you know, if not zero. So that's basically the process that I'm using to continue to, to, get other properties. And I think you asked about like the, the mindset, right? Or, or how do I decide? Yeah. Like you have, say you're looking at like three, three homes meet your criteria. How do you figure out which one to buy? Do you buy them all? <laughs> <laughs> that would be like an opportunity to celebrate, right? So long as I got it at the right price. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I got three properties, I mean, um, I guess it would really depend on the, what's going on, like what, where I am in my cycle. Right? Am I in stabilization? Am I trying to grow? Like, what what is the objective of those properties that I'm planning to buy? So, if I'm looking for cash flow, for example, what do the cash flows numbers look like after I refinance? If it, if it looks great, okay, cool, I'll move forward. Or if I'm just looking for a property to, um, you know, I have a private investor, he needs to park his cash someplace, I just need to pick something up at that moment, then I might look for that type of deal where uh, I can just plug in his capital. Um, and it may or may not cash flow. That's okay. I'm just looking for something to put his money to work, right? So it just depends on what's going on at that time. And it changes from deal to deal. Does like the amount of um, properties that you're currently holding affect your decision to purchase a new one 
the new property? Ustu? Yeah. And I'll, I'll say that was a mindset thing. Um, I would think, so like in the beginning, right? Like, uh, let's say after like four or five properties, I'm thinking, okay, I can't buy another one. I got to wait for these properties to stabilize, which there there's value in stabilizing the property. But at the same time, in the whole grand scheme of things, I'm looking for accumulation, right? I'm looking for growth to to multiply. So how does stabilizing it to, to a, a point where it looks a certain way serving me if there's opportunities presenting itself? So back then, yeah, um, it, the size of the portfolio did kind of hold me back just because of my mindset. Mm. But right now, it's like if opportunity presents itself, even if I don't have the, the capital for it, if the numbers make sense, I'm going to go for it. That literally come, happened in the you, last one. How did you get over that mental roadblock? I, I would have to say a big part of it was just having somebody in my corner. You know, yeah. um, I personally subscribe to coaching. Yeah. So having that one-on-one mentor there working with me every week, you know, challenging my thought process, that definitely helped. And then I've gone through some leadership training and personal development training as well. Uh, that's helped. And then I like to read. So reading books, things like Gap in the Gain, other mindset books, those things help as well. So yeah, it's just a constant growing cycle. What book are you reading right now? Prayer of Jabez. <laughs> what is that? It's, what? It's, a, it's a very cool book. Um, so, well, I just started that like a, a day or two days ago. Um, it's pretty good so far. Right before that, though, I finished, I completed a book. It was called um, If How-Tos Were Enough by Brian Clemmer. Oh, and that one is really good too. A really good mindset book. Mindset. But, uh, they're both not necessarily the same type of book. Um, Prayer of Jabez is, is more like um, kind of spiritual and tapping into, um, you know, your purpose and so forth. The other book is Sounds more cool. about just overcoming limiting beliefs, you know, handling um just becoming a better version of yourself yeah love it man yeah Yeah. those are i love self-developmental books too bro right now i'm reading um best loser wins that's a it's pretty good trading book glenn okay yeah i did want to touch like dude your language uh it sounds like things that we talk about like for example it's uh and it's cool how trends like uh transmissible like this the these characteristics of any market is you know is like the mindset and you talked about how we can't control the outcome right you could just be uh ready for the opportunity really and i mean that that's like to our backbone too for with trading so um i kind of wanted to ask this one is like uh how does does intuition come into play with any of this is like that it part of like the part of the strategy you know great question I wouldn't say it's part of the strategy, but it definitely does come up. This person gave me um, this this advice and it has served me to some extent. And he says that when emotion goes up, intelligence goes down. And I'm, maybe you guys can you know relate oh, to that too. And, yes, yeah. 100% <laughs> in trading. Yeah, definitely got to yeah. fill in those emotions. I love that, right. dude. That's a right. amazing. Well, right to repeat it one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When emotion goes up, intelligence goes down. Yeah. <laughs> and I found that in my journey, like, yeah, when I made decisions off of emotion, it, I don't want to say it led to bad like outcomes because I believe that everything happens for us and not to us, but definitely, you know, I could have thought things out much better, right? Instead of just getting mm-hmm. super excited, making a decision and then, oh, shucks, you know, goes the other way or being super down and super depressed and make a decision based off of that. Now I miss out on opportunity. So as far as intuition goes, like I'll use it you know, maybe like an analyzing, I guess the most recent example was 
a um, the property that we just locked up the other day. And with this property, it was an off-market property, no realtors involved, no representation. Um, with those type of transactions, there tends to be like non-refundable earnest money deposit, no inspection period. Pretty much once you lock it up, you are closing no matter what. The fast, fast close, like yeah, the whole like is fast. 10 yeah. day close. Yeah. Oh. So with that, it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I look at the pictures. Um, they have videos. I estimate what the renovation is going to be. My general contractor hasn't even gone out there yet, you know, to give me solid numbers. But I'm just like, based off of all the things that I've done and the individuals that I've worked with and the deals that I've seen, I'm estimating rehab to be at, to, to be this amount and the value of the property is going to be this amount. So this is where I need to buy it at. Let's just go for it. You know, <laughs> so a lot of it's, a lot of it's based on experience, right? You're kind of what you're kind of saying. And uh, that gives, is that, so I mean, obviously it gave you enough confidence to go forward with the deal, you know? It did. And you know, I, there's been a couple of deals that I've passed up Yeah, where it's like, I kicked myself in the butt thinking, man, I, I should have just took the next step. I should just went after it instead of playing into the, the negative what ifs, yeah. right? Yeah. Like for every situation, there's three sides to it. It's <laughs> like a coin. Exactly. <laughs> the head tails on the side. Exactly. So it's like, man, if I'm going to play on the negative side, what it, what would happen if I played on the positive side? So that kind of helped as well with the, de- with the decision on this one. Um, yeah, things could go wrong, but what if things go right? You know what I mean? So you're kind of, kind of in the neutral, like you're, you're kind of keeping the emotions at bay and then you're seeing opportunity. You see a good deal, right? You're going to go based on what you got. You're going to go, go for it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it ties in the trading a lot, man. Right there. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Nice. And then I'm sure like with you guys, it's just having multiple exit strategies. So that's what I kind of build in as well. You know, of course. Worst the, case the, scenario. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Worst case scenario. Because there's so many different variables that could happen. Um, I don't know. What's, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, I don't know if I told you, Glenn, but like the other day, um, multiple trees fell over on multiple properties and each tree to remove one is like two grand, right? Depending on how big it is and, and so forth. Damn. So it's like, you know, <laughs> and uh, so funny story uh, on one of the properties. So I, I bought uh, a house that was like 90% burnt down. Right. So we redid everything, you know, the framing, the roof. What's <laughs> what's everything. 90%? Is it ashes at that point? <laughs> <laughs> Almost, but I got it at such a good deal. I couldn't pass it up. So uh, we bought that. Yeah, we did the that. Frames. We um, redid the whole property. It's super brand new. And, um, you know, I went to go get insurance on the property. And I was like, shoot, everything is brand new. What could possibly go wrong? You know, I'll, let me shoot for a little bit higher deductible. Yeah. Right. Just to, you know, make the cash flow that much um, sweeter. And of course, nothing happened to the home itself. It was the exterior, the trees that fell over. So there were 50 foot trees in the backyard, multiple fell over. And the amount to remove those trees was just under my deductible. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, had I just gone like with my normal plan of getting the smallest deductible and paying a little bit in the premium, no problem, right? You know, what's like two grand for deductible? Right. Instead, I get hit with a with a seven thousand dollar bill. Yeah, <laughs> I have a but. question that kind of relates to uh, 
As far as risk management goes, do you go in with a plan like, okay, I'm willing to lose this amount uh, on this deal, or are you in it like all the way till the end? I don't care how it goes. Like, what, is there a, a moment where you're like, this is risk management? I've lost X amount percent, a uh, dollar figure, or I feel this way, and that's my exit strategy. Do you have it like that? That yeah, how does risk come into play? Yeah, thankfully, I haven't got to that point where I'm like. Well, maybe I have actually, or I've considered just offloading property because it hasn't been performing to what I thought it was. But before that, so like during the due diligence period, I'm already running like what Glenn said, worst case scenarios. I'm running multiple different, you know, scenarios of what could go wrong. You know, could the appraisal come under? Could the rehab come above? Could the rehab take longer? Could it sit vacant longer? Right? Like I'm running different scenarios. And before that due diligence period ends, I make uh, what I call a statement of purpose. Statement of purpose is basically writing out all the worst case scenarios that I run in my head on paper. Uh, and then I'm signing it, you know, like, Hey, on September 19, 2023, to yourself? I am to move forward to myself. Yeah. To yourself. Wow. To that's solid. That the way, when not things asking for come this, up, you're doing this on your own. Yeah. Well, it was that's part good. of the training that I got with my mentor, right? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great tip. Yeah, that's valuable right. right there. And and I and I did that when I left my job too. <laughs> yeah. You know, so this doesn't apply just to real estate. I mean, yeah. it can apply to multiple areas. Yeah. Um, Have you ever ripped up any of those statement of purpose? <laughs> I felt like it. <laughs> <laughs> Things change. But, but um, but yeah, you know, as far as risk management management goes, I mean, I run multiple worst case scenarios, get it down on paper. When those things happen, I go back to my statement of purpose, read it take full responsibility over it and just figure out what what's next right it's kind of like that short phrase you know so what uh, what is it um so what now what can't yeah. change it you know i can't go back and mm. put the trees back up or i can't go back and unclog the collapsed sewer line or whatever um it's something i get to deal with um yeah and in the long term see the thing with buy and hold investing compared to flipping is if things don't go our way um, you know, we're not making as much cash flow as we want, or we're not making the return or whatever it is. I just get to hold it longer than I thought. You mm. know, I'm not, I'm not forced to uh, sell the property in a flipping situation. You know what I mean? Where I'm at the mercy of the market. Like right now, if the rates are going up, um, I'm probably not going to sell. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm going to hold and write it out because I know in the long term it will probably come back down or things will get better. You know what I mean? And I'm not in that position to sell. So yeah, as a buy and hold investor, I think that's one of the biggest advantages is if things aren't going the way that I thought, all I get to do is hold it longer. Um, This is great, man. Brendan, I have a question for you though. Like people learn from their losses. So can you share like one of the, your biggest losses in your in this field, in this career that you've experienced so far and like what you've learned out from it and how you've overcome came in that? Biggest loss that comes to mind, um, I think this is maybe my third, second or third property. Must have been my third. So it was a general contractor. And for my first two, you know, I used a, a trusted general contractor, right? Uh, my mentor was working with him. Other people that I knew was working with him already. He did a great job, but I had built up the confidence to go out and build my own team and work with my own general contractor. And with this general contractor, you know, everything was cool in the beginning, very communicative. Um, the numbers, his prices worked out great. The, the plan, we had everything laid out is really good. And slowly like over the course of a month communication started dwindling started asking for more money eventually it led to him taking about 30 grand of the bid 
and doing maybe like five grand worth of work. And he just left and skipped town. The lesson that I learned from that is trust, but verify. So trust that the GC is doing everything he says he's doing because he was updating me like every day, right? Hey, this is what we're doing. Here's some pictures. Um, you know, what kind of fixtures do you want? What kind of, you know, asking me questions and getting my feedback as well. So I thought everything was going fine when, you know, he's sending me fake pictures of other properties, you know, and, and he's, oh he's, he's flat out lying. Artist, straight up. Yeah. So like, I'd have people like I'd have, I had oh, this one friend in particular out there in Kansas city. I'm on the phone with him in front of my property while I'm texting the contractor and he's like, yeah, we're doing work at your property. You know, everything's going well. And my friend is like, no, nobody's here, man. Like, Oh, that's so messed up, man. Wait, so yeah. I guess side question here is uh, how often are you flying back and forth? Do you got people on ground where like you don't need to ha- uh, do the expense expenditure of uh, expense of flying, basically? Yeah, for the most part, I already have people there. Well, it's really just the real estate agents, property managers, you know, those real estate professionals. I've personally been out there twice, uh, once in 2021 and then earlier this year in April. Yeah, so not too often. Yeah, yeah. It allows me to really rely on the team and also keep thing remove emotion out, you know. Not but yet. I get some people they like to visit the market and see what they're getting into. That's totally fine too. But yeah, the biggest lesson is really trust but verify. Trust but verify. You know? Okay, cool. Trust but mm-hmm. verify is the lesson. Got it. Thanks, man. Well, what would you think the biggest mistake? This is a little bonus question. What would you think the biggest mistakes that beginner investors make when starting out the career, especially in your field? Brandon, what do you think the biggest mistakes are? Um, I, I have two two answers for that. So first one is around mindset. And it's really not setting goals and getting clear around it. So like I because I hold networking events, you know, I get to talk to a lot of brand new guys. You know, they want to do buy and hold, they want to do flipping, they want to do wholesale, and they want to do all these different things. Right. And by just not having clarity and focusing on one thing, they're not making any traction, right? They're just they're being mediocre in a bunch of things instead of excellent in one thing. Do you think, do you think like, you know how there's different buy and hold or flipping and all that? Do you think from what you see, do you think there's a, a relation in like the kind of personality a person has and, and, and like to find what they're successful in, in that specific avenue? You know, does there a correlation there? That's a great question. I don't know. Yeah. Um. I guess, I mean, because I'm thinking of all the people that I know that are in flipping and wholesaling. Yeah. Are there certain type of person, you know? I think it's really just what they're after, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say they have different personalities outside of people in buy and hold, but more so what their end goal is, you know? Like, for the flipping guys, they just want to make a lot of capital quick and create, like, a business out of that. Guys that do wholesaling. I, it's kind of weird with wholesaling, like... The guys that wholesale say they do it because they want to generate more capital to get into buy and hold. When really, if they just focus on buy and hold, they can they can have wholesaling as a part of it anyway. But yeah, I don't know. I haven't really noticed a different set of mindset or personalities between between the the different um, strategies. Mm. Uh, I think it's really just their end goal. You know, like what is it that they really want? Yeah, yeah. that's a great question. No, I mean, reason yeah. why I ask is because you know, in the trading world, um, there is a correlation and. Finding the trading style that you're in with your, you know, making sure it meshes with your personality. You know, you know, Reed and I have gone through this ourselves, like spent, I spent over a year and a half finding out what my trading style is, you know, and of course you pay tuition, you pay for losses, you pay for just the, the disappointment, you know? 
<laughs> well, I was wondering if that was a similar, but um, what would you describe as um, what characteristics would you find in a successful investor? So I would say number one, taking personal responsibility. Um, so many variables with investing. I'm sure you guys see it as well that with whatever decision we make, we get to own the result of that positive and negative. So I would say being able to take responsibility, not lay blame to any other person or any other situation or anything like that. That'd be one. Um, another one, having integrity, you know, um, with real estate, it's a lot of um, relationship based type of things. And word tends to spread quickly, especially here locally, like with us being on an island, um, you you do shady deals or you can do somebody wrong. People in the community are going to find out. So, you know, just have integrity, I would say is another one and persistence. So to get to like, in general, real estate investing is very simple, right? Find a market, analyze the deal, submit an offer, you lock it up and, and everything. But in reality, to get to that one property that you close on, you're offering like 50 offers on 50 properties. To get to those 50 properties, you're analyzing 100, 150 properties. You know what I mean? So it's just being persistent with it. And with the offers, like you're going to get majority of them rejected and that's okay. Like it, the quicker, the more no's you get, the quicker you'll get to that. Yes. So just mm. having that persistence, you yeah. know, you look like you guys understand that. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, this like what your lessons that you obtained from the real estate market is so transferable is the word I was looking for earlier, transferable into the trading world. So effortlessly like yeah you get you'll get a lot of no's right and for a lot of traders a lot of systems you know they're losing 60 percent of the time 70 percent of the time but they're still able to generate profit and win in the end you know so mm -hmm. um no thanks man that so you listed three characteristics take responsibility have integrity and be persistent yeah that's that's yeah. awesome bro um, yeah. I'm going to bring it back. I have a question about like uh, the stock market and real estate. So does the stock market have any effect on real estate? Like in your opinion, like, you know, you heard something, all oh, the Dow's down today. Oh, yeah. No wonder my windows are cheaper. You know, like, <laughs> anyway. I think lumbar at one point, I think 2020. Lumber, yeah. Lumber yeah. 2020. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it everyone was building. Contractors. Right. Yeah. No, we we investors felt that, right? With higher bids and and even with the windows, right? Longer wait times. So um like me personally, uh I don't pay attention to the stock market and see any correlation between it, but I'm sure there is. Right. It's just kind of like what I said earlier about focusing on what I can control. Um, stock market that in my opinion, for me, would be a deviation from real estate. So, you know, if I start seeing prices go up or whatever, you know, I'm like, okay, uh, I guess this is what we get to play with now. You know, how do we make the deal work? Yeah. Not necessarily like, okay, why is it going up? Like, is <laughs> something in the stock market happening? Or I find you adapt, right? You adapt a lot. Like throughout this whole from start to finish where you're at now, like I've, I've noticed in uh, your stories that you've adapted to the changing markets all the time. I think that's mm. key. That's key right there. You know, as traders, that's another thing we have to do too, man. I mean, I appreciate you saying that because honestly, the type of personality I have, I do not like change. <laughs> uh, so it's something that I've been working on intentionally, right? Being able to go with the flow and 
um, adapt, you know, so uh, appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'll ask this one. Do you have uh, any other investments other than real estate or is it all in real estate? Not all in real estate. Um, I do have some precious metals like gold and silver, like in physical form. Um, I have a little bit in crypto. You got that gold chain, don't you, man? All the local <laughs> boys got it. Come on. <laughs> it's for the special nights. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> I got, you know, things like that that I invest in, but I'm not like super focused on that kind of stuff. Um, does firearms count? I don't know. But that's solid. Know, hey, that's so. a good investment right there. Yup. Guns <laughs> and ammo for the end of the world. <laughs> zombies. Yeah. 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 Food. Aliens now. Aliens. Food too. You know, <laughs> yeah, some MRE bags or something. Well, let's switch it up. Do you still journal? I remember you showed me your journal. I do. Yeah, I do. you still do. Let's talk yeah. about that. Like, when did yeah. you get into it? What are you journaling? And then what, how does that affect your day? So I started journaling probably around 2020 when I started getting into personal development work. Uh, when I was working with my first personal development coach. Yeah, so I was using the high performance planner, which, yeah, right there behind me. All of these colored ones are like journals. So yeah, I've been doing that for quite a bit now. And most recently though, I switched it up. I'm an analytical person, right? Like I like yeah. to see facts and numbers and so forth. Yeah. And it's hard for me to visualize, like to tap into my creative side and like envision things and, and so forth. So what I've been doing lately in the last couple of weeks was I wanted to get good at visualization because like, a lot of big personal development names talk about it, right? Like visualize your your wins, visualize like all that stuff. But I had a hard time. So what I've been trying now is I would journal in the beginning of the day, pretending as if I'm at the end of the day and I'm writing about what happened throughout the day. So like even for this call, right? Like this morning, I wrote that I was on call with Glenn and Reed. We we're having a great conversation. It was a fun time. It was relaxed, right? Um, there's everything that I wanted to feel in this call. I'd write that down in my journal. Are you feeling that's it? That's my version of visualization. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, you manifested it, didn't you? There you go. I, I feel it too, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. So yeah, you know, that's my version of journaling right now. It wasn't always like this. You know, I did the whole Miracle Morning thing. Yeah. Um, you know, with the, the savers and doing that format and the high performance journal. That was cool too. But right now, as far as journaling goes, it really just creating a daily vision of how I want the day to go and just, you know, reflecting back to it throughout the day. So like before I hop on a call like this or hop on a call with a client, you know, I get to read it and remember, okay, this is the person who I get to be when I step into this call, yeah. right? I get to be a fun person. I get to be a confident person. I get to be a bold person, whatever it is. So I do that ahead of the, uh, in the beginning of the day. Yeah. You set the tone, right? Like it, speak it into existence. Let's go. Do you still have those uh, hourly reminders pop up on your phone, bro? <laughs> huh? Yes. Yeah. Um, except they're not hourly anymore. Uh, oh. I would say they're every every Talk three about hours. That. Share a little bit about that. So, okay. Yeah. So I mentioned um, when I read my vision, I get to remember who uh, I get to be when I step into these conversations, right? And I'll list certain qualities. Uh, like bold, courageous, honest, whatever it is. In the very beginning of my personal development journey, I did this exercise where basically uh, I close my eyes, take a couple deep breaths, and I come up with three words that would describe my best self. So these are words that I would want my wife to describe me as or like my family or close friends or you know whatever it is. These are words that I would want them to describe me as. 
And when I come up with those three words, I would program those three words as an alarm in my phone to go off every hour or, you know, I think I started off with every six hours and then I would do it every hour kind of a thing. But that way, when I'm going throughout the day, like it, it's funny how it works because I'll forget about it sometimes. But yeah, my phone will go off and it'll alarm and I'll look at my phone and it'll have those three words, right? Bold, honest, courageous. And then I get to snap back into, okay, am I being bold right now? You know, when I got to make this uh, enrollment call, you know, am I being honest right now when I'm with a client or about to get on the phone with a client and they're not putting in the work that they said they were going to do? You know what I mean? So that, that's that been pretty cool. I don't do it every hour now just because it kind of gets annoying. <laughs> and I've kind of built up the habit as well, right? Like I'm just, okay, man, like I'm not being who I say I want to be. But, uh, but yeah, that's basically what it is. Reminding me of who my best version, who the best self is. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's being intentional, you know, and then these little, little things are, are just the action taking or, yeah, the reminders, because it's so easy for us to get back into terrible habits, you know, or, or the comfortable habits. So, um, yeah, yeah no, that's great. Yeah. Um, pushing triggers. Right. Finding those ways to push yourself, get uncomfortable, remember to stay uncomfortable and or for growth, you know, how would you define success? You know, what does that does that change? Does that you know, when you start your journey in 2019, was that definition of success different from what it is now? Yeah, I want to say it has changed mainly because I can't remember what the definition of success was in 2019. I think I just wanted to get something started, you know, and if I get one property, you know, that would be like the best thing in my life ever outside of my wife and kids. Yeah. Um, and then it happened and then just things change and life happens. And, you know, if, if I were being honest, like that's a hard question for me to answer. You know, what's the definition of success? Just because there's just, I feel super blessed and grateful right now. You know what I mean? Like uh, to be able to be here on the call with you guys, to be able to take my daughter to school now and to just like, I feel super blessed. Like by no means do I feel like I'm where I I want to be in terms of what I ha what God has placed in my heart to achieve. I still have a lot of work ahead of me to do. And at the same time, I'm just, I'm grateful, you know, for where I am. I, I never want to arrive, I guess. So like, mm -hmm. I guess it's challenging for me to set that definition of success. Mm -hmm. Like what I do want though, is I want to have healthy relationships, you know, with my wife and my kids and, and the people close around me. I do want to have a, a healthy body, right? And I want to take care of this temple that God's given me. You know, yeah. and I want to be able to give back generously. So maybe in that sense, that could be my definition of success. Um, but it's nothing really that I guess I consciously think about as far as what success looks like. Uh, just because I'm grateful, you know, I have goals that I work toward. I have targets that I want to hit. Um, as long as I'm taking action and moving forward, I'm good with that. So yeah, sorry, I don't have a better answer. <laughs> no, that was great, man. I got, you know, I think a person that's successful they are that way because they be, they come from a grateful attitude and a grateful heart of what they have and then they're open to more so i think being grateful is a attribute of success as well and you and you listed healthy relationships healthy body and giving back generously to to whatever it is yeah. you, you know so th those are good answers man thanks for that thanks for answering cool cool so what has you excited for like the rest of the year or leading up to next year and going into next year? I got to say, so like we're heading into, um, you know, Q3, right? Oh, Q4. And the thing I'm excited about most is really just I'm stepping into different roles 
in my life. Like earlier today, I commit to uh, stepping into something that's uh, going to take up a lot of my time for the next six, seven weeks uh, that I'm excited about. And, and just seeing, so earlier this year, I left my job, like I shared earlier. And this has been a great year of just seeing what I was capable of. And working up to this point, I'm just excited about for setting higher goals, bigger targets, and just seeing the results of that just through intention and commitment and uh, just being persistent with it. So I'm very optimistic for Q4. Uh, I'm excited for it. And even if I don't hit the, the the big goals that I set, I mean, it's really about who I am becoming in the process. Am I the type of person that can hit that type of goal when everything's said and done? If I am, I'm good with that. If I hit the goal, even better. So hmm. that's what I'm excited for. Just setting new goals, uh, trying different things and seeing what results from that. Just a side question. What would you tell people? You know how people wait till New Year resolution, New Year, New Me. What kind of advice would you give them when it comes to you know something like that? Like, yeah, well, I mean, I like to always ask, you know, what's the thought behind waiting? You know, like, why not now? Well, why? Yeah, like just approaching it from a curious mind, and then from there, and I don't know if it's just because the whole coaching thing, right? I just go into that mode, but really, it's yeah, like what's you say you want this, the longer you wait, you're just delaying the better future. So if you started today, like you could get there that much sooner. So <laughs> just being curious about like, what's the thought behind wanting to wait till New Year's or when circumstances are right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's never the perfect time, right? I wish there were, but yeah, it doesn't work that way. 100%. As we wind down the conversation, you know, I want to ask, uh, what, you know, our, our podcasts are, are the name of it, Edge Up. You know, what does that mean to you when it comes, when you hear that Edge Up? You know, like, what does that mean? It comes to mind for me is just like becoming better, you know, like, doesn't matter what you're facing, doesn't matter the circumstances around you, there's always another level. So just, you know, do whatever you can to get to the next step. That's what comes to mind when I hear Edge Up or, yeah. That's basically what it is. Any uh, any last thing for the audience you want to share? I would say this is one of my favorite quotes, Henry Ford. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right either way. So yes. if you think you can't start today, you're right. You can't start today, you know, because of X, Y, and Z. But if you choose to believe that you can start today despite X, Y, and Z, you're right as well. So yeah, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right either way. Love it, love it. Great quote, bro. Great quote. Where uh, can we send our people to find you, our audience? Will it be a best well, place? Uh, I would say I'm pretty active on social media. Um, on Instagram, my handle is at uh, Breaking Rhythm. It's one word. Or uh, you can find me on my website, reicharge.com. I got some free tools and resources there as well for out-of-state investing that you can check out. Cool, man. That's dope. Thank you for thank you for coming on. I got I have one last question for you. What podcast uh would you be listening to right now? I've been liking it's called Action Academy by Brian Lubin. All about taking action and Action Academy. Not not trying to plug him, but I am part of his mastermind too. Great community. <laughs> cool. A lot of other, you know, successful entrepreneurs and so forth. But that's basically what I'm listening to right now. That and the game. Alex Hormozzi. Is that the marketer right, guy? Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With the he wears like the no strip. Yeah, yeah. Like is Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen him a lot on social media now. <laughs> he's marketing very well. Yeah. Yeah. He's all about like leading with value, just giving a ton of stuff away for free and interesting. Yeah, got, I, you, like, I like the stuff I've seen. What got you listening to the Alex guy? I think it was I probably saw like one of his reels or something and it sounded interesting. Mm. 
and then um or i might have heard him first on andy frazella's podcast real af yeah. love andy, andy. yeah 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 have uh, you done 75 hard i have attempted it yeah same glenn yeah. Did, my, our man right here glenn did know, this guy Come on. <laughs> Yo, it's in the mind, bro. It's in the mind. Yeah. I tell yeah. you. Yeah. I give you credit, man. It it's not easy. Like it is mindset. Um when I was doing it, I was doing it with another guy and he fell off. He he forgot to take a picture on like day 40 something. And I was like, "Oh, that's not cool. Like I'll start over with you." And that was like the worst thing cuz like it just derailed me. And the best I ever did was like a week or so. So <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, like day 63 is when I forgot to take a photo, man. And I was so oh, mad because Andy's like, start over. And then I was listening to Andy, brother Andy, I love you, man. But he's like, yeah, guess what, guys? Like, I failed. I didn't get it. He didn't do something. He's like, but guess what? I'm just going to keep on going. And I was like, dog, like I could have <laughs> just kept going too. But it is what it is. It's it's cool. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I like that podcast, though. To keep it real. Yeah, I was yeah, listening yeah. to that he's, almost he's every solid, day too. Solid influence. His energy. That one yeah. down. His energy. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, it's, you know, I got to thank Reed because he got me, he kind of got courted me to join him for 75 hard last year. Um, and I'm glad I did, you know, um, definitely learned a lot about myself and the commitment and the action, dude. Like, I think I got sick during that time. Wanted to give up. Oh, yeah, boy. you did. You know? dude. What a boss, Michael I Jordan just, over here. Dude. Oh, yeah, Michael Jordan. <laughs> I, I think on Christmas Eve, I think we we're like two days away on Christmas Eve. I was like, screw this, bro. <laughs> oh yeah, and Brandon. So like, we just initially decided to do seventy five hard through the holidays yeah. because it's the hardest time of the year. And so I was like, okay. that's a, that's like a next level right there too. So I yeah. think uh, you know, mad props to Glenn over there. Yeah, man. that's awesome. <laughs> man. Very nice. Very nice. Thank you guys for listening in with Brandon from Breaking Rhythm or reicharge.com. Guys, check him out if you're looking to get it started into your real estate investing um, or, you know, getting culture from him as well. So, you know, um, go check him out. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>